Do you want to stop? Well, you could have told me, but all right, let's do it again. What if we don't do it again? What if we break that rule? Good day, everyone, and welcome to Beyond, Beyond the Noise. Noise. Where moving forward, we will never, ever, ever press pause, regardless of if we make mistakes. Is that going to be our new hypothesis? It might be. My name is Roy, and his name is... Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> hypothesis was absolutely not the right word. No, actually, it wasn't. So, is that actually the new goal? If you'd like to. Also, it's very hard to think about things on the spot. Like, when you said hypothesis, being on live air, it's a lot of pressure to stop and think about whether that makes sense. It's kind of multitasking, which I can't do. But anyway, welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, welcome. Um, I can't. I, I really like. Can you hear that scratching in the background? That would be my dog at the door. But um, are we actually going to run with this no pause thing? I reckon it would be. So, guys, in the first few. Sorry, I interrupted you there, which is something I'm glad just I've resolved to work self-aware. on. Self-aware. Yeah. yeah. It's the first step, but now move on to the next five steps. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in the few, first few episodes, for those who have been following through, there were, we used to pause a lot and cut mm. and chop and people mm. found that choppy. So now we've resolved to, to not pause at all. So any trash that we say accidentally, you're going to keep it. Oh, yeah. All right. I don't know if I want to agree with that, but let's try our best. Happy Easter, Roy. Happy Easter, bro. How was your Easter long weekend? Well, I'm a bit upset at the Jesus. Why? So for those who may not be aware, it was my birthday on Friday. And Friday also aligned with the day of his passion, death, and death. Mm, mm. So Jesus stole my birthday <laughs> with his death. Yeah, yeah. Which is not the first time someone's stolen your birthday. So that's true. My mum takes that every year. She was, <laughs> she was born on the same day as me. I'm like the gift that keeps taking. Mm, mm. But I was actually involved in a play at my local uh, religious institution or church, as you may... Um, refer to it mm. and uh, my, one of my friends was playing Jesus and I was the so, the soldier mm. and I was literally hitting him out of anger because he stole my birthday <laughs> even though it wasn't so, him yeah exactly mm. um, but on that note can you tell us the story about the lady who believed that you were actually hitting him and yeah that's hilarious so as as I was controlling the crowd as the Roman soldier uh, there was this old lady from the Akhawiyya which is Arabic for the old women's group I, I believe I, th- I think, is that it? I don't even know. And she genuinely believed that my friend Daniel was the Lord and that I was a soldier <laughs> and I was beating him. And she was screaming out Lebanese profanities at me and saying, stop that, like, you dog, stop beating him. <laughs> and, like, she wasn't acting. Like, I could see the, the pain and the hurt in her eyes, like, as if I was literally crucifying her Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was really funny for me and I just had to whisper in my ear, I'm like, I'm, this is literally an act. I swear <laughs> to you, we're joking. I'm not a Roman soldier. He's not Jesus. Yeah, and I'm not hitting him. We're, we're in punch bowl. <laughs> it reminds me, I remember seeing a video a few years ago of like an elderly Lebanese woman and she was screaming at the TV and tapping and knocking on the TV because she thought the bold and beautiful uh, show was real and she thought the drama unfolding was very, very uh, unsportsmanlike, if you will. And she was really just smacking it and yelling and swearing at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what, what I deduced there was that there's a cognitive disability that would stop you from realizing what is a play and what is real. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I don't want to get into the bold and the beautiful, but there were some promiscuous characters in there who mm. married everyone on the show. And you might be thinking, how do you know about that? I, I do. None of exactly. your business. <laughs> okay. Um, so the eels smashed the tigers on the weekend. The fine smashed because they won by six points. Yeah, and uh, I saw that the eels were, which is, by the way, Parramatta. Mm. Yeah, Parramatta eels. Yes. Um, and they were all happy about it, but to me, 
I likened it to a trans man competing in women's sports. And sure, you've won, but what are you celebrating? Look who you won against. <laughs> that's a good point. In other words, you're saying Tigers are not very good. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. It's as if you understood the metaphor and joke <laughs> all in one. Yeah, well, I'm a Tigers supporter, so that was uh, sad, but I don't see us getting better anytime soon. Now, just out of curiosity, did you watch the game? Like, as I mean, depends on how you define watch and game. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to sit here and take these judgments. But something I wanted to ask you is, how do Tell you me. feel... Like, you must be a good person. How so? You support a team that you know is probably never going to win, mm. at least not in our youth, mm. and yet you support them anyway. It's a fascinating point of view. So well, are you selfless? Well, I guess like everyone else, you kind of commit to a team and then you put a lot of trust in them and you make yourself vulnerable to the, to the uh, possibility that you would lose, but you cherish the moments when they win. So that I guess in a way it's symbolic of life. That's so religious. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Unlike me. So I used to be a Bulldog supporter and then I switched to the Dolphins this year at the point where they had never lost a game because yeah. I thought, hey, they're onto something. Interesting. Like into polygamy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess. And then they lost and now I'm back to the Bulldogs. Yeah, okay. Well, look, that's also a nice way to, to live. Yeah. I mean, the Bulldogs got smashed this week. That's mm. what I'm told. Yeah. Smashed yeah. means they, they got beaten. By a significant number. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my cousin actually was at that game which was on Good Friday and he forgot my birthday so oh, he took know, me to an expensive that. dinner into yesterday to compensate did that close the hole in your heart of being forgotten no, it closed the hole in my stomach and that's all that matters <laughs> to me fair 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 uh, so Roy someone unlikely reached out to me this week mm. uh, unlikely in that I haven't spoken to them in 10 years not unlikely in that their existence lacks probability sure that's um, exactly what I was thinking yeah for anonymity purposes, I'm going to call him Chamelu. And you might be thinking, that's a weird name. That's a name I gave him in year six. And it's part of, like, a, it's a variation of his name. Like a nickname, mm. if you mm. may. Mm. But um, I was very, uh, what's the word when you you feel, like, moved. happy? Moved. Sure. That he said to me, I've been, list- I've been waiting for your podcast for two weeks because, you know, we stopped for Easter. Mm. Um, and he's been listening since day dot. And mm. I haven't spoken to Chamelu, as we'll call him, for at least 10 years. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I had... So, I was touched. Um, not in a creepy way. In a, I had no idea that he was listening way. Metaphysical way. Yeah, a metaphysical touch, touching. <laughs> <laughs> which is the most chaste form of touching. Sure. Um, but he was actually responsible for my first after-school detention because I twisted his arm and held, held him against the wall because he accused me of liking... Uh, a girl mm, which you did or didn't like no I did okay so the anger was for what I guess I just didn't want to be found out <laughs> okay fair I, enough I, listen, I was young yeah anyway so we had a discussion about life and faith and truth and he suggested a few questions we could discuss on air and I mm. thought that would be a cool segment right. so actually we Let's reached out to a few of our listeners in the past few days to mm-hmm. get a few of those questions mm-hmm. um, do you want to start with maybe his serious questions or some of the questions of the viewer uh, let's go serious. Okay. So he was kind of, well, he, we obviously went to a Catholic school and uh, a Catholic primary and high school and whatnot. And he's of a Catholic background, but he's obviously fallen away from the faith. Mm-hmm. Now, he was telling me he's not particularly into his faith. And he kind of posed a question to me. And he said, like, why should I get back into it? What's, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to admit, I struggled to answer this question. But mm-hmm. I thought Roy would be great at this. Mm-hmm. So tell Chamelieu which is still a weird name, 
Like, what's the point? Why should he get back into it? So before I jump into that, which is a phenomenal question, and I don't think I'm qualified to answer, but can I just understand, is he in any shape or form a believer? Does he at least acknowledge? Uh, he's uh, acknowledged some agnosticism. Sure. He believes in God. Mm. He prays. Uh, he said to me that he's only ever been exposed to the Christian God. So mm. that's all he knows. So when he does pray, I assume mm. that's who he's praying to. Sure. Um, that's a fantastic question. Yeah. My perspective on the matter would be, if you are listening, that the invitation to knock on the door, at times we're busy or at times we feel that we don't need it, but I think inevitably every human person will encounter deep suffering, deep struggles and deeper questions in life that we can't, cannot answer. And I believe that the only answers lie when you knock on the door. And it's very important that you take the first step and knock on the door. I don't think that it's going to come running to you but for my own personal experiences and struggles and seeing that of those around me, I absolutely believe that suffering, deep suffering or even deep love, which is such an irony, are two things that move us to our core to step forward, knock on the door and, and ask the bigger questions, especially the question that no other animal except human beings ask, which is why. Right. Um, do you mind if I, I'm going to try and put myself in his shoes and I'm going to respond to you. Please do. What was the name? Uh, Chamelu. Chamelu. Please do. Uh, yeah, I know. It makes me uncomfortable as well. <laughs> um, okay. To that, I would say, but how I'm not suffering at the moment. And like, what, what practical, uh, what practical addition or value will it add to my life right now? Like, mm. why should I? I feel happy enough. You know, I have my, my child, my wife, my job. Like, what's the point of me going back to church? That's, that's the conundrum. It's that sometimes we're suffering is unknown to us for, for a long period of time. But eventually, eventually we will face the death or sickness or suffering of ourselves or of others. We lose people, good friends in our lives. We ourselves make mistakes that cause us to lose deep friendships, people we love, people turn their backs on us. Or just the, the human suffering that we experience every day, feeling rejected, feeling alone. I think all those things... As much as we avoid them, they often show themselves, they come up from out of nowhere and I think that's where uh, it might press us to come knocking on that door. What I'm hearing is that it's just so, the way you're selling it to me is, uh, it sounds like uh, religion to you is just a coping mechanism for suffering. Is that it? No, I think once you, once you knock on the door, you, you, you understand and you uh, invite into a completely new reality. This new reality... Uh, is very promising because it firstly says that you are sacred, that you're special and that you deserve to be treated uh, with sacredness and with dignity. Uh, that governs the, your entire relationships. You start to have better friendships. You start to make better decisions, mm. looking after your body. Everything that the psychological world tells you to do for yourself, that I believe is unlocked fully when you first discover that you're, you're someone in, in, the, in the light of someone else. So you're someone in the light of God. That's how we mm. kind of... When we look at ourselves in the light of God, we see that uh, everything changes in our lives. So uh, it's more than just a coping mechanism. It actually invites us into living a, a taste of the glorified life that we believe we have in the future. Mm. And uh, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, rather than focusing on oneself, that changes. What did, what did you mean by that? Did I say that now? Or uh, yeah, I, say well, I mean, I'm paraphrasing badly, <laughs> but basically... You said it takes you away from uh, doing everything for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So my own experiences have shown me how much every human has an attachment to themselves, mm. to their own, sure, naturally their own well-being, but there's a fine line between your own be well-being and your own ego. 
I think that that's very disguised very well. I think religion and, and discovering God, or even just taking a step into the church, pulls you completely out of yourself. You start to find you care for others, mm. you hang around others, you have compassion for others. You start to do little things like going across the road and giving an, an old elderly lady a bottle of juice. Uh, yeah. and that means Which you did recently. Yeah, she thought it was tomato paste. Not to ruin paste. your humility. <laughs> she, she, really, thought it was... she generally thought it was tomato paste. So. Okay. I mean, <laughs> they, don't have to, they don't have to know what your gift is. Just <laughs> that, it's, that exists. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was just an example I want to share that there are... Yeah. You move people through that. Something... Obviously, I think in the world, it also lacks a lot of... People lack a lot of fulfillment. Um, and maybe that's a lack of purpose or mission. To me, personally, apart from the suffering and the meaning to suffering part, I like the mission that comes with our belief system, you know? The mission to uphold true values in the name of God, but more importantly, in the name of love. Mm, mm. For example, you know, the stuff we've been discussing in the past weeks, protecting children, raising our kids in a way where they will be happy and joyous and the most healthy emotionally, physically, psychologically, um, and, you know, living in a way that promotes the best for those around us, even though it may not seem like that on the surface. Mm. That's, to me, the beauty of our faith. The, actual, mm. the truth of the human condition that leads to the best possible outcome for us, irrespective mm. of how difficult it may be. Yeah, it's liberating. Yeah. And, and that answers the question as, uh, in terms of like why everything, at least brings comfort and joy Job experiences in the Bible, not meant to make this biblical, mm. but he experienced a deep sense of suffering and he, he found that God was walking with him throughout the entire time. Still. Yeah. So what do you think about this, Roy? So what I said to Chamaliu is um, I'm not here to convince you to come back to church because mm. ultimately I can't do that. Mm. Mm. Um, that has to come from inside of him or, mm. I mean, or from outside of him in that, you know, the spirit or God. But um, it has to be kind of a conversion of love. Um, and we'll, we'll mention, we'll talk about this a bit later, but um, kind of, you have to find a way to get to know who Jesus is to mm. understand why you even want to follow him. Mm, mm. And there is a method that I've been doing that lately. I think you know what I'm thinking, but I'm going to delay that till after question time. Mm. I, I, um, is that, are you saying that now? Or? Uh, well, let's, let's go through the rest of the questions and then we'll circle right, back. If, to I, could, if I could just add one more point though to, the, to, your, um, to your friend and his conver conversion story. So, funnily enough, on the story of Job, my lecturer was going through the whole thing a few weeks ago, and I don't know if many people know this, but in the story of Job, he has three friends, and these three friends spend the whole story uh, trying to convince him that he, he might have deserved the punishment from God, or that he's looking at it wrong. Basically, they did everything except console him, right? Yeah. And at the end of the story, again, I don't know if anyone's read it this far, but uh, God actually comes and says, you three, you mates have disappointed me. You didn't do what I wanted. And I put my hand up and I said to the lecturer, I find that that's been my experience, that so many people are so focused on converting me or others, but it's just, it's for them, it's a numbers game. What about me as a person? Like, when we want to convert others, we need to get to know them and build a friendship with them first. And that leads them to God. But yeah. just to say, you go to God as if I'm a tool or the person that you want to convert is a tool, that's, that lacks personality. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That, it's interesting you mentioned that. So, on a personal note about Chamelieu, my, why he, why, whilst he might you know, claim to be fallen away from the faith, my oldest memory of his aura, of his, uh, the type of person he is, was actually that he was perhaps the kindest person I remember from my childhood. Nice. Mm. And um, you know, he was a bit emotional and erratic at times, mm. but that's fine, aren't we all? Yeah. I'm emotional and erratic, but I just remember 
he was always kind and he would always reach out to people. And even in high school where he got some um, Asian friends that were probably connected to him more than I did, mm. I would uh, pressure him to include me. <laughs> um, and, you know, he might struggle at first, but he always ended up... Mm. Mm. In year six, I actually didn't want to invite me to Seagull World and I ended up forcing him to. Mm. But he was just, I remember his, his aura was that of kindness. Mm. And to me, he was the Christ that I met when I was oh, young. That's beautiful, bro. So I, I met Christ in him. Yeah, yeah. Despite the whole Seagull World saga. <laughs> that's beautiful, bro. Yeah. So other questions that our viewers had. Let me look at my question list. So Michael from Enfield wanted to know why normal restaurants have a vegetarian option, but vegetarian restaurants don't offer a meat option. And are they racist because of this? <laughs> Michael? Is that Michael? Yeah. That's a very funny question, Michael. What so, are your thoughts on the... I, I think that um, normal restaurants would have vegetarian options to cater for everyone. And vegetarian restaurants are less restaurants, more ideological echo chambers. <laughs> okay. So okay. yes, they are racist. Interesting. I'm well, not going to comment on this question. Very, fair enough. <laughs> Patrick from Guildford South slash Wentworth Field slash that area. Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. Uh, Wait, what? It's Chester Hill. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, Chester Hill. <laughs> uh, what makes a good, what makes for a good conversation? Mm, that's, that's an interesting question. a good question, yeah. So Patrick obviously sent through this question because it's something him and I often speak about. Mm. Let, why don't you start? Why don't you tell me what, what you think makes a good conversation? Now, you might be asking what an irrelevant question to ask. But I guess when you're around so many people all the time, particularly if you're in ministry, if you're in service, if you have family, if you have children, or if you're part of a big social circle, in any environment, it's often people leave and they think that was pleasant or that was not. And I think I really want to know what behind, what's behind the noise here. So you start, please. Um, I guess a good conversation is one that you enjoy. I'll speak from my personal experience. Um, I enjoy being heard mm. somewhat and understood. And to me, that's the most important thing to compatibility with another person in terms of conversation and connecting is being heard and understood um, and bouncing off each other in a witty way. Someone mm. who understands my wit and my humor, mm. that's what makes a good conversation to me. And also someone who I know is understanding the ideas that I'm trying to get across because that means they can reciprocate. Mm. And it's only through that deeper level of understanding particular concepts that I feel that they have value to offer to the conversation and it validates or edifies as a friend of ours likes to say the entire social institution mm, mm, interesting are you going to ask me what, what I think or? oh I was looking at you <laughs> so it was given no no absolutely so alright I, I think I agree I think I think that the openness to wanting to get to know the person in front of you is a, is I think that kind of uh, attitude is what would trigger you to then ask questions about the person. I think when you you can feel when someone doesn't have interest in you, or when you feel that someone is not too interested in how your work life is. It's often one sided. Work life is the least the worst example, but yeah. how your family life, you know, how your personal, what are you doing, all these kind of stuff. But you really know when someone really cares about what you're doing in your life. To me, I'm I'm trying very hard to be a person who like is genuinely interested in every person I meet. That's challenging sometimes, especially when you think ah. Oh, this person doesn't really care about me or this person doesn't have much to offer. I guess that would, that's the, the, the mark of someone who's a really good person is that they're able to just see goodness and kindness and value in every person. Um, but yeah, I think that's what makes a good conversation, the ability to listen, the openness to want to learn about the person as well. 
Yeah. Often, and humor is a bonus, I think, you know. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes we have really, really moving conversations. And a priest named Father Henry Newman, he once said that uh, when someone contacted him to interview him uh, in some kind of calendar in New York Times or something, uh, Father Henry Newman himself noticed that he became very close friends with the journalist because he said what, what he is convinced what brought them together is that they both used their time to share their vulnerabilities. Wow. So he believes sharing a vulnerability, a weakness, a struggle, you know, not, not in a reckless way, but in a way where you slowly invite the person to see not just your good side, but your bad side. That's my opinion on the matter. Yeah, amazing. I, I don't have anything to add to that. Um, two more quick questions. Uh, Gab from the Hills District. Why is Nathan still single? <laughs> What's your answer to that one? Uh, I mean, I ask myself every day, but in short, I require a high level of uh, connection and engagement, and uh, I'm just looking for the right person who moves my soul. Mm. Interesting. I like to be moved. Yeah. Both do. physically and spiritually and mentally and all the illies. <laughs> um, and one more quick question. Mm. This was from Chamali as well. Mm-hmm. If I don't go to confession... Why does my one lifetime of sin result in an eternity of hellfire? Mm, good question. Why don't mm. you have a, a crack at this? Well, I guess first, uh, let's, punch let's define hell. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> let's define hell. What does hell mean? What does it mean to you? No, you tell me. Well, I understand the Catholic perspective is that it's the, it's the absence, it's the eternal absence of God. Right. And his friendship. And how would we say someone goes to hell? We believe that it's our free choice to turn our back in our, on God and his friendship and his love. Yeah. So basically, when you choose against love and against God, uh, you're rejecting him. And hell is the absence of God. So mm. it's naturally where you're going to end up. Mm. Uh, by the way, we're not condemning anyone. Just, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Not at all, <laughs> um, Now, why does the one lifetime of sin result in the eternity of hell? Mm. Uh, that it's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm not sure it's one we're going to have the t- time to fully unravel today. But it's important to note that the answer is actually different for many people. And in saying that, what I mean is that based on how uh, you will be judged based on how much you know mm. and each individual situation. Mm. For example, someone who grew up in another religion or in a desert island that wasn't exposed to the truth of our faith, mm. they're not going to be judged as hard. Mm. So mm. if they don't know that they're rejecting Christ... Christ isn't going to be judging them for doing Absolutely. exactly that. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so yeah, now someone who grew up in, in the faith will be judged a lot harsher because they know the truth and to sin, because what a sin is, is going against truth. A sin is a, an act against truth. It's mm. missing the mark. Mm. An act or intention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if they know and they're fully responsible and accountable for that, then it's natural that they've chosen... You know, to go against God and that's where they'll end up. So my university lecture explained something that I hadn't really thought about too much before, a different university lecture. And that was that uh, it's not, it's it's usually, and how, how we understand it, it's an extension of our decision. It's not as if, like from what he explained, it's not as if you choose, uh, you chose heaven, but you, like you made it in hell. There is a sense in which it's often an extension of the decisions we're making here on earth. Okay. Mm. That... Obviously, this is very vague and we're talking about something beyond us. But from what the Catholic lens sees is, is that you are free to make a decision to enter into friendship with God or to turn your back on him. And uh, obviously, who on earth is there to, to judge the pers- individual person's own life? But we're just talking, I guess, 
uh, from the Catholic perspective that you are you have this free choice, and often on quite often it's not so much that you're going to be charged for a sin you, you cause in the path. I'm under the belief that often you, you you will encounter God and you have this free choice. You have had the choice up your whole life, and it's often the decision would be an extension of the decisions you made in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's move on. Um, this has taken longer than I anticipated, so. Um, but that's I, feel, all right. I feel yeah, we got five minutes, but I feel sorry. Can we add one more thing to that to that question? Yeah, because yeah. I I feel if you're listening to Nathan's uh, old friend, I feel I would invite you to perhaps change your perspective and not look so much to see where it is that you'll be punished. That's not. I wouldn't say that. That's not the primary Catholic perspective. I would invite you to look more about the goodness of life and rediscovering your own sacredness as a person. I wouldn't dwell too much on that. These are things that you learn to understand and uncover once you have, I guess, your feet in the door. Yeah. Okay, so I'm asking you to be encouraged not by fear but by love. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, that, that leads into the reason for the season, right? Easter um, is not about misery and death. The, mm. the message of Easter is, an, is a message of hope and it's about... Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not pausing, so I'm just going to keep going with that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a message of hope about um, beating death. Mm. I've mm. totally forgot my words now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it's victory against death. Mm. And uh, the message of Easter is despite your brokenness and despite your sin and despite your transgressions, um, if you want to come back to God, he will always welcome you in open arms and he's opened his kingdom for you. Um, and he'll always accept you back, no, matter, no matter what you've done. Mm. I'm glad you brought up the, the Easter thing. It would have been an injustice had we not spoken a little bit about Easter, about this new life that we now, we dwell in. Obviously, it's it's happened once and for all, but it means a lot to us, the, the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. It's a theme. I, I've read once that resurrection or new life is a theme. We look around us, plants die and they grow. There's bushfires that die and then new life springs up and there's more animals and more greenery and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Resurrection is a theme of life. I believe that. And of course, it's very comforting and it brings us a lot of hope and joy to know that we have a God who is preparing a seat for us in his kingdom that mm. surpasses all our understanding uh, and it make, helps us make sense of the darkness and, and the despair that we experience in our own lives. But like you yeah. said, it's not the end of the road. No, and it's not all about the next life. Even in this life, the message of Easter prevails that uh, from the greatest suffering always comes the greatest glory. It's why when we see... Uh, pictures of Jesus after he had risen, he still has the stigmata on his hands. It's mm. to show that from his greatest suffering came his greatest glory. Mm. Mm. Um, and the, the, the reason, you know, Jesus, like we've said in the past, Jesus didn't have to die. Um, you know, a single drop of his blood would have been enough or no drops of his blood would have been enough. The reason he died in the way that he did so alone and so rejected and so violently and with such great suffering is to show us that you know, if you've ever felt lonely, if you've ever felt betrayed, if you've ever felt in pain emotionally or physically or psychologically, he went through it first. He felt rejected by his father first. He was rejected by his friends first. That's the message of the cross. Whatever you're experiencing, great glory will follow. Mm. He literally, bro, he literally said that in the gospel. He said something like, did you not know that the son of man had to enter into his passion and thus receive his glory or something? I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but it was so, so clear that this was the invitation. This is much, much easier to say than to live, of course. But man, imagine being able to encounter every situation, especially your struggles or your sufferings and think, what is God teaching from here? What new life can I bring from this? Yeah. 
Um, so let's finish up with a, with a bit of a thing I wanted to mention. So Roy, it's been made benounced to me. <laughs> yes, you're laughing because benounced is my word of the month. Yes. Well, our word of the month, I've heard you say it as well. Yes, well I've been saying unbenounced, but sure. Oh, well, benounced, unbenounced. Yeah. Uh, we've been both watching The Chosen. Oh. Um, what is The Chosen, you ask? Yeah. It's a TV show on Netflix, the first season, and then two other seasons on The Chosen app, about the life of Christ. Mm, mm. Um, and I've recognized, and I've made it clear to you, that he's actually my Jesus of choice. <laughs> my favorite Jesus. You subscribe Jesus. Exactly. And, um, it, you know, I like him much more than the, you know, Passion of the Christ Jesus. I found him a bit depressing <laughs> and sad, you know. Ooh, I'm dying. Oh, no, I'm kidding, kidding, but... Um, it just, it really, it's how I got to know Christ. And that's mm. what I wanted to suggest to channel you. Watch mm. The Chosen. You will learn who Jesus truly is mm. because you see that kind, loving person who is always forgiving and who renews you. Mm. Um, and also, he's just funny and witty. Yeah. yeah like I me. That part. <laughs> In a way, I might, you know, I might be like Jesus. <laughs> of course you'd say that. Yeah, but um, it made me feel things again. Mm. And I haven't felt things in a while. I'm glad, bro. Yeah, and I guess just to finish, I wanted to reflect on... I think sometimes Catholics, they neglect feelings. We say, you know, love isn't about feelings. And whilst, that true, whilst that's true, we can't discount the importance of feelings. Because mm. feelings allow us to be immersed in something or someone that we love. Mm. Mm. You know, cause, uh, and I think that's where... The, the Catholic Church and say Hillsong or Protestant churches differ and we can learn from them because the Catholic Church is all about the essence and the sacraments and obviously that's more important but they're on the other end of the spectrum they're all about feelings and music and emotions mm, mm. Um, and I think there has to be a middle ground where we can mm. learn from them and obviously mm. they can learn from us in in that they you know can take on the actual body and blood of Christ yeah yeah but just some thoughts that I was having. Bro, I'm glad you're watching Chosen. My brother actually came to me a few months ago and said, give it a go. I gave it a go. I'm glad that I was able to share it with some friends as well. It mm. moved, It's also moved me, bro, to be honest. Like getting to know the personalities of the the, God, the, uh, the apostles, uh, the, the way that they live their lives, their own personal circumstances. I've never thought of that. I've never thought of what would Matthew's personality be like. I, would, yeah. I never thought that what was the dynamic or relationship between John and his brother uh, James, uh, James, James, yeah, yeah. The Sons of Thunder, Sons of, of Thunder, like just little things like that, which I really, really invite everyone who's listening to give it a go. It's such a fantastic show. Yeah. The Jesus in that chosen, you're so right. I love him. He is so great. I love how compassionate he is. He doesn't get offended. Like he takes things seriously, but he's so compassionate that even little things, like if someone insults him, he'll he'll say, okay, let's give him time. He must he must be going through yeah, a lot. He's just, patient. He's very patient. I think that's really really noble. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan Rumi is who. Is mm. who plays my right. now deity of choice. <laughs> but something else that I just want to give away as a take-home message to everyone listening is that he often catered for the disciples when it came to the small things. Like if they needed to do something small, like you know, ask for someone's hand in marriage yeah. on the way to their next mission, um, you know, he, he would account for that. It's kind of like that thing that I think I mentioned it to you ages ago. In 1962, once someone left out a small hyphen and it cost the government like 18 million dollars. Really? Yeah, it was. Um, apparently that hyphen was feeding instruct they were feeding instructions into a computer for this spaceship that was going to Venus and the hyphen ruined everything and it just went off track and it got destroyed jeez that's funny but the point of this is uh, and I was reminded when I was watching my lord Jonathan Rumi peace be upon him <laughs> is that when Jesus speaks of the last judgment he doesn't talk about the large sins like adultery and murder 
Mm. He talks mm. about the small things, you know. Mm. When I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me, I was naked and you didn't clothe me, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. It's mm. all the small things that we should focus on. Yeah. And mm. that's ever even evident in our friendship, Roy. Whenever there's a breakdown in our friendship, it's the small things like me not checking in or stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll leave you guys with a little story. Once Michael Michelangelo's friend asked him, what work have you done on the sculpture since we last spoke? And Michelangelo replied, I just softened some features and polished some corners. And the friend replied, but these are all small things. Like, what's the big deal? And then Michelangelo was like, um, yes, but it is in the little things that make perfection. And perfection is not a little thing. Mm, beautiful, bro. So that's what I want to end with. And who's yeah. playing this weekend? Oh, there's quite a few games, bro. I'm not, I haven't actually looked at them yet. It starts tonight. Sounds is exhausting. That, is that something that you're interested in? Absolutely not. I'd like you to leave. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Maybe we can get burgers if... I don't know. We'll, we'll discuss this later. Everyone doesn't have to hear about our life. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, guys, for joining us. This has been pleasant. We're sorry that it's taken a few weeks, but as you can imagine, we've uh, we've been celebrating Easter and eating chocolate. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Q&A section will... Uh, go on this long every week but please do send in your questions whether they're spiritual or funny or just observations about the world and um, we did allow it to go on long today because uh, i was really touched by channel um, mm, it's very nice i guess uh apparition if you may into my life <laughs> <laughs> guys please give chosen a go you will absolutely love it you will be messaging us saying thank you thank you thank you it'll rekindle your love for the gospels and your your love for the Jesus, the personal Jesus in your life. Yeah, and don't forget to look beyond the noise.